It's the Kyle Hyman Show on Redeemer Radio. I mean, we all know in our mind that like whatever we've done, the Lord's going to forgive us. But I think until we've done something that we probably never imagined ourselves doing, accepting that that's happened, but yet the Lord is forgiving us. It's time for Morning Jolt with Sister Ignatia Henneberry from the Sisters of St. Francis of Perpetual Adoration. Wake up! Sister Ignatia, how are you doing? Doing well. Good. How are you, Kyle? I'm, I'm excellent. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So, you've shared that you have a story about your mom, mm-hmm. and I have not heard the story, but have, the anticipation has been building up. I figured it would be yeah fun for you to hear it the first time yeah on air yeah be, yeah so should I just go just go for it sure uh, remind us your your family background you're one of two two yes so mom and dad live back in Syracuse New York uh-huh. um, and then I have an older brother he's three years older than me we all grew up in a small town okay so. Love each other very much. Uh-huh. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Get, get along. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I would say so. They haven't outcasted you for becoming a no. A sister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quite proud. Uh, fun fact: My mom actually, when I go home um, and we go to the, we always have to go to the grocery store. She does not allow me to push the grocery cart uh-huh. because it covers up my habit too much. <laughs> yeah. That's great. <laughs> That's great. So they're very supportive. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I just shared it with Kyle a little while ago that I had a story. So, um, especially, yeah, as political climates have changed and everything, I've been thinking about the issue of abortion, but also, like, in the church. So, I just felt it was, like, helpful and pertinent to, like, be able to share a real story um, about abortion. So, my mom, when she was, I believe she was 19, you know, at the time, she was like living outside of the church, and she found herself pregnant, unmarried, obviously, um, had not met my dad yet. And I remember her telling me that, like, recounting the story to me and just saying, like, I can't, you know, be bound to this this guy. Like, she just felt trapped mm-hmm. and scared. And, uh, yeah, 19 was kind of estranged from my grandparents that, you know, wasn't didn't feel like she could go back home. And, yeah, I just felt like an abortion was like her only way out, you know, Mm -hmm. she felt trapped. So she did have an abortion at that young age. And then she joined the, the air force in order to leave town. Like she just like had to start over. Okay. Basically. And it was in, in that environment, which sounds odd that like, yeah, you go into the air force and that's where she, yeah, God like led her back Hmm. in that because you know, she was in basic training. Basic training, you have no control over your life, um, uh-huh. except if you go to church. So once you're on the grounds of the church, you don't have to march anymore. Okay. Um, you have some freedom, <laughs> even just to like walk normally. So right. I mean, so right. that was like her one chance to like have a break from basic training. Mm-hmm. And um, so she started going back to church and she, that pain and that just like emptiness that she felt had room to to speak and for her to like experience 
come to grips with like what happened. And she has said like multiple times. So now she, my mom shares her testimony. Um, and she said like, so one thing to not tell <laughs> a woman is to say like, you didn't know what you were doing. And she, hmm. she did, she knew what she did. And I think that's probably true for a lot of women that yeah. they know in their heart, like what has happened, you know, right. at the very least, like that, that's my child. And I, I killed them. I, uh, so certainly she, some do not some yeah have believed what they've been told that yeah. this is just a club of cells. This is not a big yeah. deal. And those that do know probably have justified why this is okay for one reason yeah. or another. Yeah, I think I'd there's like, like we some do it all sin, there, right? Some walls that <laughs> if gone we know up. something's wrong, yeah, and we do it anyway, just yeah, because we've we've justified like this. This is okay for me yeah. to do for some reason. Yeah, I think she was like, yeah, looking for like the right environment and like hmm. person to talk to about yeah. it. Like, yeah, she didn't want somebody to tell her that it was okay. Like, right. She wasn't looking for that person. So okay. I think maybe some people do look for that person to tell them that it was okay. My mom was not looking for that person. Yeah. So yeah, when as in this process of coming back to the church at the parish that was on base or close to the base um, was a wonderful priest, you know, who was really involved in the young adults that were there and she felt comfortable and like decided to come back to confession. And she in that moment like just felt like this is unforgivable like how can the lord forgive what i've done and mm -hmm. you know he being just a good priest <laughs> and like we all i mean we all know in our mind that like whatever we've done the lord's going to forgive us but i think until we've done something that we probably never imagined ourselves doing accepting that that's happened but yet the lord is forgiving us and I remember, like, I think it was, like, the first time that she told me, yeah, her whole story. I think she rode her bike back from that confession and just, like, felt so free hmm. um, and had not felt that in a long time. So, like, actually had experience of, like, God's mercy for her. Did she say how long it had been between from 19 until? Oh, well, and, like, before 19 when she had even... Oh, from 19 until when she had her um, confession. You know, I don't know. Uh, so. It was believe, years. Yeah. Probably. Yes, it was years because, yeah, 19, she married my dad when she was like 24, 25. So, like, in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so how long she had been carrying that, um, I'm not sure. But that was like the first step mm -hmm. receiving God's mercy, opening her heart again. Because I think a lot of women, the sin of an abortion is closed up yeah. in the inside for a long time, decades. Some don't even ever tell their spouses yeah. that they've had an abortion. And that is crippling. And yeah, the Lord doesn't want you to live that way. So yeah, so she continued that like, yeah, coming back to the church, a reversion. Um, at my father while she was on base in their like the youth group at the parish, got married, um, I always thought growing up we had a beautiful family, like, you know, and um, also part of her story was that, like, once my brother and I, like, just, like, kids, she just remembered, like, no, I have, I have other kids. Like, I have another child, and I can't ignore that I feel the loss of that 
that child yeah. still. So she then sought out post-abortive ministries and healing. She went to a retreat for Project Rachel. And the first one that she did go to, you know, still holding on to like, yeah, like what I've done and like, yeah, how can the Lord really forgive me? Like that kind of pain. And she saw a young woman who was also attending this retreat needing help. Like this young woman needed a couple of people to like support her walking into the building and she was just wrecked. Like mm. she um, sobbing and crying, you know, just, yeah, again, like not being dragged in no, against her will, but correct. <laughs> she wanted to go, but it was having a hard time yeah, even doing it. She couldn't well. move. Um, this, yeah, this can't be taken away. It can't be undone, which is true, but like that the Lord's not going to, what can he possibly do? Or like, why would he forgive me? And my mom remembers looking at that young woman and knowing like a grace from God, like knowing the first thought was God does not want that for that woman. I know that. The pain. Yeah. She yeah. can see in another person, like that's not meant for you. Mm -hmm. And then making that connection of like, okay, if I know that that's not meant for her, then he does not want me to live this way either. Right. So yeah, just like that grace of knowing almost by like a negation, like that's not what he wants for me. So yeah, just her like then, committing to a process of healing and then that like leading her into like helping other women healing from the effects of abortion and yeah i mean i'm i've told her multiple times but yeah i'm just like proud of her for like yeah. doing that because if we think about like there's a lot of statistics out there but like on the low end 25 percent of women that you see have had an abortion hmm. and that statistic doesn't really change in the catholic church um, and if you want to fact check me, fine. But the reality is, like, if you are a priest or if you're a parishioner, the safe thing to do is in your parish looking around and saying, like, okay, maybe 25% of the women in this room perhaps have had an abortion. Yeah. So um, that changed me how I thought about people that I see, that I talk to. Yeah. So, yeah, why I'm so proud of my mom for, like, speaking is because so many women don't right um but they need to and mm. so like they need somebody that knows what that feels like to have gone on this journey to say like no there's there is healing for you yeah there's life yeah i just think that's an area in the church where we yeah definitely need to talk more about um so, so. i think sometimes because of the gravity mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. the action of the sin we are so passionate about being mm -hmm. anti-abortion and yeah. explaining why and what happens and showing images of it and things like that. What do you think pro-life people do that we should stop doing because it's, it Ooh. could do so much harm to some people? Yes, it might do some good, but the harm outweighs yeah. the good. Uh. Um, I think some like words, I mean, I even go back. So my mom didn't share this story with me until I was, how old was I? 21, 22. Mm, okay. Maybe she told my brother and I at the same time when she was, you know, going to be doing more testimonies. Yeah. And so I go back to like, yeah, being in high school, like I grew up being pro-life knowing it was wrong. Yeah. Um, my mom worked for the crisis pregnancy center it was just like part of our life. And I, so like I had like all the pro life t-shirts and stuff. Right. So like, 
I mean, they're well-intentioned, but like, let's maybe I probably would, knowing now what I do, I probably wouldn't have worn a shirt that said abortion is homicide. Mm. It's true. It's true. And um, so I think there's like maybe at least like two sets of women out there that are like, I guess, hardened in that like, yeah, if I had an abortion, it was the right thing to do. You can't convince me otherwise. Like, well, they need, they need Jesus Mm -hmm. first and foremost, before you start like debating about abortion. And then I think the other group, probably more like my mom who like knew the church was right in the, in their heart of hearts, like knew, know Jesus, Uh but have these walls up. Yeah. So that message isn't going to get to either of those people. (laughs) Right. So I think, yeah, there is like a place to talk about like what abortion is like, um, rationally and like objectively, um, even like in my own sisters and my community or just like in the pro-life movement say like who could do something like that. Mm-hmm. So I think we should remember, yeah, who could do something like that? The woman next to you could do something like that. Yeah. You could do something like yeah. that. So I think the, yeah, with the gravity of the, of the sin, what it really is, mm-hmm. we shouldn't lose that reality, but let's all remember that we're all capable of evil. Yeah. We're all capable of evil. I know that we're not trying to do this when we say like, how could that happen? That it gets just, yeah, it does like boggle the mind. But in saying that it's almost as if like, well, I would never do that. Right. I could never picture myself doing that. Well, of course. And so I think just like, yeah, some like sensitivity and some of the things that we say, like having in your mind, like, okay, somebody around me perhaps has had an abortion. Mm-hmm. So I should talk as if, I'm talking to somebody that has had an abortion. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Project Rachel. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about what that is and, and how that might be helpful for yeah. somebody? Um, so on our diocesan website, there's links. But if you just like Google Project Rachel, Fort Wayne, South Bend. Um, so Project Rachel has a lot of resources for women that have had an abortion in their past. The primary thing, I think, is our retreats. Um, and like it's not like a one-time retreat like women have to keep coming back because even that first step to going to your first retreat is really difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that might be the first time that you've ever told anyone. Right. So you can't deal with it in one, in one weekend and that's okay. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, building some relationships and having people walk with you um, and keep going back. So yeah, it is a, a, a beautiful ministry. And um, so yeah, my mom helps out with project Rachel retreats, you know, can share her testimony when she's yeah with these women who have either had an abortion six months ago, had an abortion 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, or multiple. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Multiple. Um, the ministry that they do is yeah really important. Also don't hesitate to go to another diocese. So I get like right. my mom, my mom's first retreat. She went to another diocese to go to the retreat. Cause like I get like, there's a lot of fear of like, what if, yeah if you're, involved in the Catholic church and you're like, no one could ever know like this. Yeah. I'm sure everything is anonymous anyway. Of course. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like confession. Yeah. You may want to go to a different priest, right? but your priest isn't going to tell anybody. Right. (laughs) You don't have to worry about that. (laughs) Correct. He's not going to judge you and think of you differently. Right. For your own, for your own peace of mind, if you want. Yeah. Um, So. Is there an order that you think is more practical? Like, doing a retreat like that or mm-hmm. talking with somebody before going to confession or go to confession first before a retreat like that? Um, I think... Or it doesn't matter. Just I think it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. I think, whatever you're more comfortable with yeah. as a first step. I think the most important thing is that like 
that you are yeah. taking steps and that you are nurturing that like belief that Jesus does want to forgive you and does love you. Like mm-hmm. if whatever it is that you can do to keep yourself open to that. Yeah. I think all of the above have to happen. Yeah. Um, but I think as long as the healing happens, I mean, and there might even be confession available at the retreat. Oh, they're always, yeah. So yes, they always um, have a chaplain. Two birds with one stone. (laughs) Exactly. Um, yeah. And then one of the, like a beautiful thing that they do, I'm not sure if it's every retreat, but a common practice in the retreat is also to name the child Hmm. that was aborted Mm -hmm. because that is your child. And, um, as a person, they have a name. You have to also grieve that loss. Um, so that's been also powerful for me to know that like, yeah, I have a sibling. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's actually in the mother house, we have, um, it's like, you know, stone floor. And as I walk out of chapel in the front, there's like this little like divot on the ground, but it's like in the shape of, you know, like the little baby feet pin yeah, that you yeah. wear. It's like in that shape like on the ground. Like intentionally? No, no, it's the, like okay. it's if I look closely at it, okay. perhaps it doesn't even look like little yeah. baby feet. But like that's what I think. Like that's what I think as, every time I walk by it is like, huh. oh, there's baby feet. And I know like my mom has named my brother. Uh-huh. I mean, he's, you know, you know, you ask the Lord like to know who the this person is and the yeah. name. And like, so I always like think of that and ask him to pray for me. So... I think that's an important part of the healing too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so all that can, there's a lot to it, to that healing process, but that's one element, I guess. And I suppose even if the retreat is far away or a weekend that you can't go or, or you've got, mm-hmm. you know, can't get anybody to watch your kids for you, whatever. I'm sure the people that are putting on the retreat would be a good mm-hmm. resource yes. to talk to of, you know, mm-hmm. who would be a good person to reach out to or, books yeah. to read or you know maybe if you can't do the retreat you could meet with somebody in the evening oh for sure you know, or yeah. for lunch or whatever yeah. you know, like yeah i'm sure that's a great resource yeah for sure yeah my mom has made many phone calls you yeah. know um which are also like yeah discreet and anonymous so like yeah any sure. way that you're able to like to reach out that's that's what the, they're there for they want to yeah they just want to walk with you and hear your story and, yeah what are your thoughts on telling your kids about it? I, yeah. You, so being, you said your mom told you when you were 21. Yeah. Did, did that seem late? Did you kind of wish you she know. had said something earlier or does that seem like a good, good time? You're I, an adult. I felt it was a good time. And I think other things that have happened in your parents' life, I don't think you're ready. You know, like we think our parents are perfect and great <laughs> yeah. and you probably should yeah, <laughs> think yeah. that. And until you become an adult, um, yeah, so I, I don't think I can project my, like, 21-year-old self mm-hmm. back onto, like, my 16-year-old self and say, like, oh, I would have reacted fine. Yeah. I doubt it. Um, so I think I'm, like, grateful that I was an adult um, when my mom told me. I mean, to be honest, you have to go through the whole, like, wait, you raised me to mm-hmm. be pro-life, to think that this was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was at the maturity level to understand at least in part, my mom's story and like what she went through that like, yeah, she wasn't lying to me. I didn't like grow up on some pretense, you know, um, that like I received the fruit of her own resurrection story. Like I received the fruit of that in my growing up. So like being grateful for that. Um, 
I think sometimes the hardest hurdle for women to like share their story is to tell their family mm-hmm. because it is so secret and you're like, what are they going to think of me? Yeah. All of those things. Um, so being on the other side of that, I would say like your child might have to go through like a process and like be upset or angry or sad or whatever. Um, but they, they're going to love you, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. So I wouldn't, do you I think won't. it's necessary to tell them? Um, not, not totally. I guess I think it depends on where you feel called to minister. Yeah. So if you feel called to participate in Project Rachel retreats and share your testimony in that situation, like it might not necessarily be pertinent to tell your kids mm-hmm. because that's all like private. contained yeah. and private. But my mom goes and talks to, I know she does, um, permanent diaconate. Okay. Um, like, yeah, letting them know like, so you're going to go out and preach and this is what some of the stories that you're, that are in the pews, like yeah. these women. Yeah. So that was a little more public. She's done an article for our Catholic newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it, yeah, it depends. <laughs> Probably be good that they hear it from you before the newspaper. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's up to them, but it's, I think, born a lot of fruit in my life. Yeah. Like, so I'm thankful that she's told me. Right. Yeah. So again, Project Rachel, mm-hmm. just do a search for it yep. or ask around a uh, priest, priest, talk mm-hmm. to a priest. Mm-hmm. But also I think pro-life pregnancy centers could direct you toward something yes. if, if you're not near a Project Rachel retreat, mm-hmm. um, they're equipped oh, yeah. To, yeah. to help with resources or counseling or things like that. So maybe that's another topic we could talk about Yeah, is pro-life pregnancy centers and the work of kind of after, well, leading up to the birth, helping right. with whatever resources. Yeah women and, and men might need, uh, but then also after the birth mm-hmm. as well. So mm-hmm. maybe we can talk about that as well. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, uh-huh. sister. You're welcome. Thank you. For show notes on this episode and to find more shows, visit kylehyman.com. And until next time, remember to leave room for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit.